The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest host, Gabe Braxton, at Gabe Braxton on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Gabe is here, who was my first guest ever on this podcast. A lot of you probably know Gabe. Gabe is here because today's guest is going to be me. Um, I'll be in the hot seat answering the questions that I'm usually asking other screenwriters. I'll be talking about how I got into screenwriting. What's my process look like? You know, what is my brand? All that stuff. Um, this wasn't my idea. This was the idea of a few screenwriters that listen to the podcast that have said, hey, when is your episode going to come out? And I've been wanting to kind of do it for a while, but just never did it. And I was having cool guests come on. But then um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it because exciting bit of information. This is the first video edition of the podcast. You can go over to YouTube right now and see this podcast in its entirety. If you would like to put faces to the voices that you usually hear on the show. Um, I'm going to start doing that with the pod. I don't know how I'm going to be releasing it. Like if it's going to be video first and then audio or same time or what. But um, I'm going to figure that out as I go. But basically, I'm doing video podcast now. And I think it's really cool, and I'm, I'm actually really excited about it, and I hope you guys are too. So if you want to head over to YouTube, you can type in Andy Compton, the Social Screenwriters Podcast, if you don't already subscribe to me, and I'm sure it'll come up. And go ahead and subscribe to my channel if you would. I really appreciate it. I, I want to grow my YouTube a little bit this year, and that's where I'll be releasing the three short films that we shot last year that I directed um, wrote and directed that'll be dropping on my YouTube at some point this year. One of them I'm hoping for like March, like early March. And then after that, you know, the other two will come, but, um, I'll be dropping those there. I'll be dropping podcasts. I'll be dropping like segments of podcasts, like just little interesting sections that I think were cool. Um, yeah, I'll be putting out a bunch of stuff. I'm going to try to make like some dumb little no budget sketches with me and my friends. Um, who you'll recognize from like a lot of my movies that I've made, uh, the short films I've made, uh, all my buddies I do improv with, or I guess I should say did do improv. I haven't been doing improv as much anymore, but, um, they still are, they're still deep in the game and, um, I just love working with those people. So we're going to try to do that. Um, anyway, I'm rambling about that. Please subscribe to the YouTube and, you know, stay tuned. If you like what you hear in this episode, please um, say something about it on Twitter or Instagram. Say something smart that Gabe said. Say something dumb that I said. Say whatever you want about the show. I appreciate it. And if you're on YouTube or going to YouTube, leave a comment. You know, leave a like. I'm doing the YouTube thing now. So, you know, do all that stuff. And if you want to donate to the show, you can at Social Writer Pod on Instagram or Twitter. There's a Linktree link. There's a PayPal link inside that Linktree link. You can leave a few dollars if you'd like to, and I really appreciate it. You know, it takes a little time to make these episodes, and I'll take whatever I can get. If you can't afford it, cool. If you can't, I hope you still enjoy the episode. And with that, guys, let's hand it over to Gabe Braxton. All right. So, Andy Compton, what's up, man? Good to see you. Good to what's talk up, to you. What's up, man? 
get to talk to you on your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know this whole thing feels a little narcissistic. But uh, but I promise you people have asked for it. So yeah. that's why we're doing it. No, it's special. It's real special. Um, it's it's extra, extra special. First, it's extra special because today marks one year since you dropped the first episode of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. Oh, excuse me. Two years. Two, two years. years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Time two flies. Years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. pandemic years are all one year. Yeah, it's all jumbled up. <laughs> that's all one year to me. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's really special, man. I mean, um, yeah. I think you've been doing a great job with it. You've brought a lot of encouragement, and motivation to the screenwriting community, especially like on Twitter. Um, and it's really cool to see everybody, you know, tweet about it and to say that they're getting inspired and stuff. I mean, how does it make you feel? I guess let me ask you that. I know how it makes yeah. me feel. But first off, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, dude, it, it is cool. Like, I don't know. It's like in 2020, you know, whenever we were all stuck in our houses twitter just became like this like refuge for a lot of us like yeah. to just feel seen and heard and actually speak to other people even if it was through text and for me it just like caught this momentum where i was like fucking for some for whatever reason people like you know are paying attention to what i have to say yeah and it turned into this thing where i was like yeah maybe i can you know i talk too much i've always like considered <laughs> like it'd be fun to have like a radio show or something and uh and then podcasts became a thing and i was like maybe i'll do a podcast and um and yeah it's just really worked out like from day one basically like it's not like you know this is some huge podcast i don't want people to get that impression like yeah. but, you know there are you know hundreds hundreds of people listening to each episode mm -hmm. and that's pretty sick and i want to get it up one day to be you know thousands yeah uh, i think two of my episodes right now are over a thousand uh streams wow. yeah. but um but yeah it's just this thing from day one it's been like there's been an interest because you know it's a very community focused podcast mm -hmm. it had a built-in community like we all we all were getting to know each other over Twitter at the time. And yeah, I just right. got really, really lucky that people cared. Cause honestly, if no one gave a shit about this podcast and I was streaming to like eight people every week, I would have given up because yeah. it's, it's a lot of work, honestly. Yeah. I don't really, you know, I've had a couple advertisers over the two years, like literally a couple. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I remember a few. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it comes pretty rarely, you know, and there's certain things that I, don't necessarily want to push to my audience like it's that thing you know of like money is cool but like if i don't believe in something yeah i don't necessarily want to push it to my audience and it's not like something i've had a bad experience with mm -hmm. but it's more so like you know what if if i have no experience with it then how how am i going to push it you know right to right totally often these are things that like people are going to spend money on and i would feel like shit if i found out that you know, this, you know, insert company name ends up being terrible and a waste of money. And I was out there preaching that you should do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, that's that's the money part of it. So mm -hmm. like not really being compensated for doing it. But what what does fulfill me is, like you said, people are tweeting about it. People are listening. People are getting inspired by it. Yeah, and it inspires me, too, because, you know, getting just to talk to another writer, we've all experienced this that just hanging out with a writer and talking about writing, you usually leave that conversation feeling lifted and high on it. Like, dude, I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. go get back to the laptop. And yeah. so I'm getting that out of it. I'm glad that it's coming across too, that other people are. And um, yeah, dude, it's been dope two years. It's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, two years. Well, that's crazy, man. Yeah, because uh, time time does fly. I mean, like we met in 2020, mm-hmm. kind of like mid 2020 after the pandemic really kicked off. Yep. And um, it's been great getting to know you. I mean, one of the first scripts I ever read of yours was Suplex. Loved it. Did a great job. Uh, I think we both have had a lot of like growing and learning experiences since then, as far as oh, yeah. um, what success is in this business yeah, <laughs> and what yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. and uh, yeah. getting hopes up and not getting hopes up. But um, yeah, Absolutely, dude, I'm, just, man. I'm, I'm happy to to be here and to be the one um, doing your episode. Thanks for, thanks for um, inviting me on to do this. Oh, of course, dude. Yeah. You're one of my day one homies on Twitter and uh, yeah, dude, it's been, uh, and likewise to you, just, it's been great. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and yeah. chatting with you about all this stuff. And we're kind of on similar trajectories yeah. um, in our early careers and uh, yeah, dude, it's been fun. And, uh, and yeah, I'm so glad that you came on to do this. Hell yeah, man. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm going to do the awkward thing that you do for your yeah. guests and I'm going right, to read your, bit, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. Yes. Let's read Andy's bio. Okay. So Andy Compton is an Asian American writer and director from the heart of the Midwest, St. Louis, Missouri. Once a hard partying high school dropout from a dysfunctional home, Andy found sobriety in his late twenties, turned his life around. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. And went on to graduate cum laude from Webster university with a BA in script writing and a minor in film and television production. This sense of sweeping transformation often finds its way into his work um, as his characters navigate small town worlds in search of their own larger than life triumphs through which Andy balances his comedic sensibility with dramatic storytelling, shining a light on topics such as class struggle, addiction, and other dark aspects of life in the working class Midwest. Uh, during his time in film school, he wrote both of his 2021 nickel semifinalist features, Suplex, which made top 50, and Bellyache, which is a winner of the Script Pipeline's first look competition. Um, in 2022, he wrote and directed Captcha, winner of Best Comedy, Best Screenplay, and the SE Best of Fest Award at the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. Um, Andy is represented by Jared Murray at Epicenter Management. So, uh, Andy, uh, thanks for coming on to your show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I need, this is the second time I've had that bio read back to me on a podcast and I need to shorten it really bad. (laughs) And also gross fun fact. I mean, this is most of us. I wrote that thing. So yeah. just imagine how gross that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we Listen all write our bios, right? We all like, do. Yeah. You go on like Coverfly and like you read these like third person bios and it's like, yeah, dude, you definitely yeah. wrote that. <laughs> having, having it read back to you though is a different level of gross because it's like, <laughs> oh God, I wrote that whole, listen to how great I am. Yeah. But yeah. that's kind of what it is. That's, let's, that's what you got to do. Let's add something to your bio real quick, right? So let me, let me ask you this. I, I love food. What is your favorite food? Oh my God. Um, no, you eat Panda a lot. You tweet about it and talk yeah, about it like on Instagram I mean, and stuff. Panda's good. I'm, I'm trying not to go to Panda too much. right now. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, I'm getting fat. I gotta, I gotta chill out, but, um, and it's not the healthiest thing. No, uh, you know, my favorite food is probably sushi. I fucking Ooh. love sushi. Oh, man, um, yeah. It's such a variety too. Yeah. It's, it, you kind of get to cheat in saying that you love that sushi is your favorite food. Cause there's so many different types. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you know, I love going for sushi. Uh, my recent addiction is poke bowls. 
Okay. Yeah. Like I've, had, I've had like one. I've had one Poke Bowl. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. They're fucking fire. And then, um, but I've always said too, though, if I was on death row, I think my last <laughs> I meal. On death row. Yes. I was on death row. And yes. yeah, yeah, I murdered. A not a, not on your deathbed. Uh, yeah. From being old and, and dying, yeah, that's where because you're yeah, old, yeah. but you, yeah, yeah, it's your death, yeah, death I was row. Perfectly in my prime <laughs> and was on death row. Uh, my last meal, I think, would be a bacon cheeseburger and fries, but like good, really yeah. good bacon cheeseburger and like fries, like real cut potato fries. Cool. Uh, yeah, that would be my last meal. Uh, that's awesome, I, dude. I love like, the, I. Love the I I will never forget that. And I think people listening will never forget that about you either. So that's great. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, when I'm on death row, I don't even have to order. Like, nah, we heard that podcast. Right, <laughs> we right. got you. Dude. Anyway. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, man. So let's jump into this. Um, okay. We're going to talk about screenwriting. So how did you, I mean, we found out a little bit, right? By reading your bio, you went to school. Um, mm-hmm. But how would you say you got into screenwriting? Yeah. So kind of a funny story for me i it was like 2014 or something mm-hmm. um and a friend of mine hit me up one day just texted me i was working in the warehouse at a pharmaceutical company um very far from having a hollywood gig uh he said do you want to we should write a pilot together like a comedy mm-hmm. pilot and neither of us had any writing experience neither of us had comedy experience and but we were just both kind of funny and I was like, yeah, dude, let's do it. Like, why not? That sounds fun. I was like a big fan of like, at the time, like workaholics and always sunny. And like, you know, there was some really great half hour comedies out. So yeah. I was very interested. And um, we set a date. Actually, uh, so much, a little bit of time goes by before we actually sit down to write together and have a meeting. Mm-hmm. And because um, we don't know how to do it we we this is so foreign to us i'm right. like looking online like how do you write a screenplay like you know what what do you even do and um i ended up getting final draft and i brought a f- another friend in and we were going to do it like you know three writers on a pilot and yeah. we go to have our first meeting and the first dude whose original idea it was just ghosts and he doesn't show and he like doesn't <laughs> answer his texts all night. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then the next day hits me up and he's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry about last night, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. You know, let's just do it again soon. And um, we we schedule the next meeting and he again ghosts us. And me and other dude wow. that I brought in are both there. And we're yeah. like, dude, let's just start let's like have a meeting and like really brainstorm what we want our show to be about and you know, all this stuff. And it's so funny, the dude whose original idea it was, I have to thank for a screenwriting career. And like, you know, we don't even really talk that much. Wow. Anymore, but like, uh, but yeah, it's like, that's, that's how it happened. And he never, wow. came to the meeting. and, um, but me and my other buddy over the course of like two years, it took forever to write this pilot. Um, Cause we would just write, one day and then we'd take three or four months off and then one night we'd be hanging out <laughs> drinking with a bunch of people and i'd be like all drunk like dude we need to work on that pilot man we need to do it tomorrow or whatever and we're like yeah yeah and then we never do it right um but we did eventually get it done and it was kind of a cool concept it was uh called morning after but morning like morning the loss of someone which oh, okay, i thought yeah. was a really really clever title back then mm-hmm. and since i've seen like a hundred things titled that morning after I swear <laughs> morning as morning, the loss of someone. Um, and 
that was my first dance with thinking I'm super clever and then realizing 80 people have had this idea. Because <laughs> uh, it's like when, you write a, when you're writing a new script and then you hear a log line for a new movie coming out. And yeah. It's exactly your yeah. You see a trailer and you're like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, that is so exactly my thing that it's insane. Yeah. Like, that's 100% it. But so it's a good um, punch. It was called Morning After, and it was about a guy who uh, loses his mom, and he was very close to her, and he's just trying to pick up the pieces of his life, and it was going to be a series, though, and he, like, basically, I think, oh, what it was, was he was going to uh, quit his bullshit job that he hated and go back to community college, even though he was, like, pushing 30, and yeah. at the time, that's where I was in my life. I was just starting community college and I was like yeah. 27. Um, and it was, you know, when I think back on that script, I'm like, oh, that was very much like still a me script. Like mm-hmm. uh, it kind of goes right in line with, you know, the shit that I've written today. So it's been kind of cool thinking about that origin story. Like when I'm just thinking about how I got here, yeah. um, that even from then I had a voice you know, yeah, like I did, yeah. I did have a voice and I had things that I wanted to say in a certain genre and tone. Yeah. Um, cause it was like the shit I write now, it's kind of sad, you know, it's kind of tragic, but it's also mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Um, heartwarming, uplifting. Yeah. It tried to be, I mean, that was like the first page of that script has an opening paragraph that's so descriptive for no reason. It does not need to be as descriptive as it is like, uh, talking about a funeral, but the opening paragraph is probably like, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 lines with no break. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. this fat paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a novel. Right. Um, it looks like a, a paragraph in a novel. So like we had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> every single, uh, almost every shot, I feel like ended with the cut two on the far right. You know, you yeah, yeah. like that. We just didn't know. And we're like, you know, everything should be cut too. So it's right. like, you know, you're on this person cut too. And now you're looking at that person. And yeah. it was a mess formatting wise, but, um, but we wrote it and that's kind of what got me going. And then, um, and I was in community college when we were finishing it. And anytime I took a creative writing course, most people were writing prose, you know, and I did mm-hmm. some of that, but mm-hmm. anytime I had the option, I was like, can I write? you know, a screenplay, like a scene or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, luckily my uh, Joe Bauman, my community college writing professor and Jacqueline Gray, both really, really sweet humans. They're great um, at St. Charles Community College. Mm-hmm. Um, they both were super encouraging and they were like, you know, my background's not in screenwriting, but, you know, I've read plays and stuff like I can let this kid, you know, do whatever he yeah, wants. Like they were very great. cool. Like, I just think that's the sign of a good teacher. Right. It's like, I'm not going to hinder your creativity and what you want to do. I'm going to mm-hmm. figure out how I can support it. Right. And uh, so they did that for me. And um, so that's where I got more into it. And then in 2018, I was graduating community college and I got all my general classes done and I was going to finish at university the next two years, you know, mm-hmm. for my major. And I was enrolled at a, a different university than I went to. I had got accepted. I was enrolled to go into like kind of like a fiction writing program. And it's it's more focused on like fiction prose rather than, you know, screenwriting. And uh, a buddy of mine got into Webster University for script writing. 
And um, that's what they call the major script writing, because you don't just do screenwriting. You also do like writing for radio and, you know, playwriting. And okay, okay. A few things. So they generalize it. But he called and told me that. And I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. And like immediately that day, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Going to this fiction writing program when I know I want to make movies. Yeah. And um, so I withdrew. I uh, I didn't I don't know if I withdrew first or if I applied to Webster first, but one or the other end up getting accepted to Webster, withdrew my application from uh, the other university. And I went to Webster University and that's when things really kicked off in 2018. I started my film focused classes, but not until 2019, the beginning of 2019, I got into my first like real feature writing class mm-hmm. where over the first semester, we're going to write the first act of a film. Right. And that was where the very first, like I had tried to write this one feature before when I was in community college, but I had no idea about structure and I would just, I was free writing and I wrote the same story from page one to like page, like 35 or 40. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would hit a wall and I wouldn't know what to do because I didn't understand like structure. I didn't understand like, you know, uh, the first act build up and then how the second act goes and, you know, into a third act climax, all that shit. I didn't understand any of it. Um, Well, it wasn't that I didn't understand it. I had never been taught it and I'd never learned about it. I hadn't read, read any books about it or anything. So I had tried that story, but then when I get to Webster in 2019 in this class, um, we're writing the first act of a movie and my professor shows us save the cat. And uh, another free advertisement for saving. <laughs> it's one of a hundred. Right. <laughs> um, but he shows us that and it just really unlocked something in my brain that I was like, oh, because it's not so much the book Save the Cat, but the beat sheet. Right. Right. Because it's this really simple like map. It's almost mm-hmm. like uh, what do they call that? Where um, those things that are like they're kind of meant to be funny, but you fill in the blanks of a story. Oh uh, shoot! Certain words. It's like, is it mad something? It's yeah. It's like mad. Is it Mad Lib? Mad Libs. Um, yeah. It's kinda, it, okay. it's almost like Mad Libs in a way because yeah. you're just you know what's supposed to go in this section and you just fill in the blanks. Right. Uh, when you're working in that Save the Cat beat sheet, so that unlocked something in my brain. The way my brain works, I guess, and mm. uh, that's where I started Suplex. Oh, cool. And um, in that school. was 2019. Yeah, and I finished wow. the first act in early may i guess whenever that semester ended yeah and my goal that summer was i'm gonna finish this and see it through and i'm gonna finish my first movie and uh i think it was like july 2019 i finished suplex the first wow. draft and um and yeah i've been rolling ever since but like yeah it was uh it was kind of a long road you know for it took five years from when i first got interested in screenwriting yeah, yeah. to finish my first actual project yeah so I don't think I, I don't think I knew that I didn't know that story about, about you, you know, starting in 2014. Cause I mean, I've heard, um, you know, you had that interest in journalism, right. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you thought that's what you wanted to do and then realized, you know, it's not the way to go. Um, but it's cool hearing it, you know, begin like that, because I think that all of us have a early, early on, like uh, point in our lives that are, are screenwriters, screenwriters where we, kind of knew we wanted to tell stories or Mm -hmm. had like an interest in telling stories and, Mm -hmm. but we don't like, I don't reference, you know, 
back when I was in elementary and I told a story about like Mario, um, like in Luigi, right. Like writing this like creative project in my classroom, like having the feeling like so fulfilled by it. I don't Mm -hmm. go that far back when I talk about like when I started screenwriting, but that would probably Mm -hmm. be, you know, when that interest for storytelling sparked in me. So it's really cool to hear that in like 2014, just that whole timeline of things. And it's wild how certain people come into our lives, they spark things. And then you just kind of keep going with it. And maybe they, you know, they were in that, that, that um, point of your life for, for like a season or whatever, just mm-hmm. to encourage you to to do what you want to do. And and it feels yeah. like, you know, the universe and stars align for shit like that to happen. But um, that's a really neat story, man. That's great. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. So, um, I mean, we, like, we talked about this a little bit too, like in your bio. And I think that you know, I'm going to go on to the second question here, which is about you know how you would describe your brand. And I think your brand quote unquote brand is phenomenal. Like I think it's, it's great. And I think it, um, it is, I mean, you've, you've won a contest by staying within this brand. And I think it's a contest, uh, winning worthy brand and image that you carry, um, around, but I'm going to let you explain your brand and your words right now. Yeah. Damn it. I forgot to pull this question out because oh, uh, really? <laughs> now that, now that I'm reading people's bios to them, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not making them double down, but I will double down because okay. I did this to myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. My brand is basically, you know, like dramatic comedies. Um, I like to talk about underdog characters, usually from, you know, the lower working middle class or lower working class lower lower class working class Uh, basically people who don't have a lot and are working regular ass jobs just to get by often in the midwest um because that's what i am and that's where i come from you know like i've like you know fucking i worked at taco bell i've worked at walmart i've worked at kfc you know like just random jobs um like i said i've worked warehouse jobs driven a forklift yeah. Um, you know, and that's, I'm not saying I'm special. That's a lot of people. Right. A lot, a lot more people them. than people understand and even, might even think about. Yeah. Right. And that's like, you know, this is kind of a later story maybe, but it's one of the reasons I got repped was that um, my manager told me in a meeting, like, uh, you know, I think that these kind of stories need to be told more about this part of the country. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, that's, it, it, I'm not writing about it because I think that these stories need to be told more. I'm mm-hmm. writing about it because this is what I know. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I was born in Michigan, moved to North Carolina as a baby. And then by three years old, we planted our roots in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I've been here ever since 32 yeah. years. I'm 35 now. So um, this is what I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, uh, and I, usually the shit that I write about is shit that I know, you know, like bellyache talks a lot about like alcoholism. Like I said, you know, sober now, Yeah. um, talks about parental estrangement. You know, I had that with my, my real dad, um, suplex is about, you know, kids just fucking around and being shitheads. And that was me and yeah. my friends as kids, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I'll, and I'll say something to that too, real quick. If you don't mind, I'll interject a little bit. Because yeah, suplex, please. not only is it is it about kids fucking around, it's not like these kids are going to like water parks and like, you know, theme parks and shit <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, they're, they're doing things that maybe, you know, you think about like somewhere in the Midwest, out in the middle of nowhere, that doesn't really have a lot going on, right? These kids are yes. like trying to like make up their own 
fun and uh, to make up their own lives to keep themselves busy. And that's what I like about, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I feel like that's really important to speaking to that brand of like being in like the the Midwest. And for me, you know, that's such an obscure part of the country where you ask me to like fill in the blank of like the the states and I might get a couple of them wrong. Right. Uh Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. And that's what it is out here. You know, it's like, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I can't fully blame it on this, but like one of the reasons that I got so into partying as a kid is like, yeah. there's not a lot going on out here. Right, you know, It's right. like a lot, a lot of people uh, that I went to high school with, you know, had issues, um, whether they admitted it or not. And like, I mean, it even got so dark that I've lost a number of friends. I don't even think I can count yeah. it on two hands anymore. Um, the amount of people who have died because of our partying roots, which was all fun and games when we were young. But as we got older, for some people, it got darker. Right. Um, right. And that, you know, I like talking about shit like that, too. You know, that's that's been my experience with it. Um, So like in my bio, when it says like talking about like addiction and class struggle and the darker aspects, shining, shining a light on the darker aspects of life in the working class Midwest. That's kind of what I'm talking about, you know, is that right. like, I, I like to show the fun aspects and the, you know, I, I think that's something that working class people do well, too, that I like to talk about is that even though on the outside looking in their situation might look hard, but like, you know, a lot of people, you know, who don't have much are truly making the best of it and truly finding happiness where they can in their situation. Right. Like, right. Um, Cause that's what it is. You know, like we had a really hard time in my family when I was a teenager, financially, my mom was a single mom and she was fucking struggling and I didn't understand money yet. And I was getting in trouble all the time. And like, I look back on that, like, God, I was just making a hard situation so much harder. For, you know right. just, and just but you don't you, but you don't, don't know you, you don't, don't have understand that emotional it. maturity right kid, exactly so um but yeah you know it's like but we still made the best of it you know what i mean like yeah, we still yeah. had thanksgivings and we still had christmas and you yeah. know uh it so i like talking about that because it's what i know and i just feel really lucky that people have responded to it but that's my brand basically is i like to try to talk about dark subjects in a lighthearted manner i like to make people really really sad i would love it if you cried at the right times when you're reading my shit but then laugh the next second you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i like to do that a lot is like uh really tragic and then end it with a punchline Mm -hmm. um that's some of my favorite stuff i've had when i was in film school one of the best compliments i ever got was um having suplex compared to alexander payne is writing and I wasn't even that familiar yet with Alexander Payne at the time. I got into film late, man. Like I always loved movies as a kid, but like I was never like studying directors or right, right. Like, like that. You yeah, know? like same here. Like off the top of my head, I've heard Alexander Payne. I probably have watched a movie. I'm just not 100 percent sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my I, late I blossoming. Had to, I had to like <laughs> discover his shit and really yeah. watch a lot of it, and um, and I love it, but it's um that's kind of like the lane that I'm in. I feel like is like, if I could have a career even close to like, uh, you know, an Alexander Payne, I'm not talking about the accolades, but more like the beautiful stories that he's told, mm. uh, in the way that he's told them. 
with like, you know, sadness and comedy and deep characters and, you know, uh, tough familial relationships and things like that, uh, then I will have fully succeeded, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then, um, cause this kind of like leads into that. Um, you know, we're most of the people who listen to this are probably screenwriters or like within that, that world of mm-hmm. filmmaking. And obviously we watch movies. So, um, what would be a movie that you recommend that would kind of be along those lines of what you're talking about, like with, with your brand and one that like just really speaks to you that you would say, Hey, look, you want to get to know me better? Watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few. Um, one of them that I talk about a lot is short term 12 by mm-hmm. Destin Daniel Cretton. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing movie about these, you know, these people who work in this facility for like, it's like a short term, uh, center for youths, troubled youths to stay or like, you know, just kids going through shit. Yeah. Um, and it's really an incredible movie it has so much heart, has so much authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the way that it talks about trauma is so honest and so not like, they don't ham it up in this corny way it's it feels so real and like raw yeah but also like they do it in such an empathetic way and they pay so much Mm -hmm. respect to the idea of people who've been through really traumatic things and it's Mm -hmm. it's really great but that um i also use ladybird as a comp um i use uh nebraska which is alexander payne uh Mm -hmm. will forte and bruce stern um it's a great movie. Uh, really small movie. You know, it's yeah. just about characters going through stuff and uh, working out their issues with each other that they've never really talked about, but have been under, you know, stewing under the surface for a long time. Right. Um, man, there's there's definitely others. Eighth grade, Bo Burnham's movie. I love that just because I think it's on paper. What I love, what I try to do and what I love about certain writer directors out there who are working in like the dramedy space, we were just talking about this for a second before we hopped on mm-hmm. that, like, you know, horror, you can really hook someone with a pitch and a log line right. comedy. You can also like the hangover, you know, that's like a, that was a good hook. trip, And one of them ends up missing in Vegas and now they have to find their friend. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like, uh, it's limitless how many funny paths you can go down with that, especially with a great cast, which they got. But, um, but eighth grade is, you know, it's a girl, a 14 year old girl going through her last week of eighth grade. Mm. That's what the whole movie is. (laughs) But when you watch it, it's done in such an intense way. And like, I love how he puts us in like one situation where this girl is awkward. If you haven't seen it, she's awkward and she, you know, socially awkward and she's really trying to pump herself up and like be cool, you know, and have friends and all these things, but it's really tough for her, which like, I think 95% of us can relate with. Yeah, for sure. Cause I didn't have a lot of trouble making friends when I was in middle school, being perfectly honest. Like I, Mm -hmm. I feel lucky that um, I didn't have a ton of trouble, but I still felt awkward as fuck all the time, but I never showed it on the yeah. outside. Yeah, but yeah. inside, I was always like, you know, some level of anxiety and hoping people like me and da da da. But she goes to this pool party with all these cool kids and she goes in the bathroom and she has to change into her swimsuit, you know, and she has this moment where she's like knowing that she needs, she's not comfortable with her body and she has to walk out 
into this pool party in mm-hmm. front of everyone that she thinks is cool. And, you know, it's just so vulnerable having to do that, you know, with right. image issues. And, uh, and she has this moment of panic in the bathroom. That's so real and so visceral. And it's like, when oh, you stop and think about what you're watching though. It's a 14 year old kid scared to go out to a pool party. Yeah. But to her in her world, which we're living in, in this movie, yeah. it's, this is insane. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this is like the biggest moment of her life. And I love, I love that he can take such a small premise and make it feel larger than life because yeah. we're watching on the outside. Like, yeah, it's just some kid going through middle school, but we're in her world in the movie. And every, cause when you're a kid, everything that happens to you is the biggest thing that ever happened. You right. know, your, your slate is so small. Your story's so unwritten at the yeah. time. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think those are some comps, eighth grade, short term, 12, Nebraska, um, uh Ace Ventura 2, not really, but uh, <laughs> I would love to write Ace Ventura. That'd be fun. <laughs> but yeah, uh I think that's it. That's great, man. That is wonderful. Um oh, the Florida Project is a huge movie for me. Okay, that, that came to listen my, to the my mind. I fucking yeah. love that movie. That would yeah. be so good. People yeah. who listen to the pod know that too. I yeah. Think. Um let's jump into the process of writing so since everyone's routine is unique can you describe your routine your regular writing routine um yeah what's it like yeah so um you know i usually god dude it's always changing honestly like yeah in a perfect world though i would get up every day and one of the first things I would do is write like, right. five pages yeah. and yeah, like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. And, um, but I don't, I'm very much a procrastinator. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD in 2015 and I don't take medicine for it. Um, I probably should, but like, I just have concerns. I don't, you know, I'm sober when I was, uh, right. when I was using drugs, Adderall was one of my favorite drugs in the entire world. So when I got that prescription in 2015, I was like, oh, I'm going to become a crackhead yeah. if I do this because like I can't handle the responsibility of having, you know, I'll always just be like, ah, I can do another one, mm-hmm. you know, or like whatever. And I'm going to be a crackhead. So I I never got that filled. And um, so that's always been a struggle for me, but I'm trying to embrace it and just learn how to live with it and cope with it. Yeah. Um, but so I, that said, I'm very chaotic. Um, sometimes I write in the morning, sometimes I write in the daytime and what should be like an hour of focused writing for other people is like a five hour session for me of like just drifting over to YouTube or like drifting to my phone and then like realizing I'm on my phone again and like throwing it and just being like, what the fuck dude? just focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a little chaotic, but I have found weirdly, you know, a lot of writers say that they don't want to write at the end of the day because they're burnt out. I get like this second wind and like this weird sense of creativity, I think at night, mm-hmm. like around like seven thirty eight 8 PM. Yeah. Um, and I've been kind of going with that lately. So, um, cool. Yeah, I would say like lately it's usually me at this desk that I'm sitting at or like on my bed. Um, I like to turn the lights down low, sometimes completely off mm-hmm. and just like, and then I'll wear these headphones. Yeah. Noise canceling. And I'll listen to like, white noise or like binaural beats or like sometimes like just nature sounds but like stuff that's not music and um because i think one of the things with my like adhd is that like i need to just 
turn all I need to basically do sensory deprivation. I need right, to turn right, off right. all my other senses, everything around me, and just be focused on this. Yeah. And it seems to work. Like I feel like a weirdo sometimes, like sitting in a dark room, just like hunched over my laptop. <laughs> you know, no light and this like sound like pulsing through my headphones. But it kind of works for me. It takes me away from the space that I'm in and lets me be in the story and in the moment, you know. Right. The, again, the more I deprive myself of outside of the laptop is a good thing. I try to forget that my phone exists. I try to forget that, you know, whatever websites exist. Yeah. Uh, YouTube um, mostly is my the bane of my existence. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's basically it. Um, you drink anything while you're writing yeah i do yeah like i like to do green tea i'm doing green cool. tea right now yeah um green tea usually like it's really know, caffeinated yeah 6 p.m <laughs> 6 p.m 7 p.m is like my cutoff you know yeah. like i can't do caffeine past that um but yeah other than that i just drink a lot of water you know i yeah, used yeah. to be a big Lacroix guy but i ended up just being like this isn't good for my finances because <laughs> i was drinking so much fucking Lacroix, yeah that i was like if i could quit that would be convenient and it's just yeah. like, it's better to drink water you know yeah. so um yeah for me it's like a lot of green tea and water um you know if it's like daytime sometimes i'll treat myself to a red bull mm. um but yeah that's it let me ask another question along those lines um when let's say you're out and about, like how easy is it for you? Like you're, you know, you get, um, ideas for your script, right? Mm -hmm. What's the process like for you? Like when, is there a certain time that those, those ideas come? Do you ever mm -hmm. feel like you're It's almost like in a, at an inconvenience. Um, Oh yeah. And how do you handle that? Right. Like how do you handle getting those thoughts yeah. down? So hopefully you, you have them for your session. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So for me, they come basically for me at like any time of day. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes like I often commute from where I live to downtown and that's like 25 minutes. Uh, so during that time, you know, I'm like listening to screenwriting podcasts or like listening to like the playlist of songs I've made for my script I'm writing that inspires me and puts me in that world. Yeah. And I'll have ideas then and like, you know, sometimes I'll like just pull over somewhere and write it in my notes app. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I'll be a psycho and be like, when you get where you're going, don't forget this. And I'll just like, ah. keep, like repeating it to myself. And, <laughs> so like, dangerous. To forget. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, but like, if I'm at home, you know, uh, basically anytime, no matter what I'm doing, I stop and put it in my notes app. And That's then good. sometimes I'll put a calendar notification to say, look oh, at, smart. you know, look yeah, at yeah. the ache note at 8 p.m. Because I know at 8 p.m. I'm not going to be doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and then I can really think about it. Uh, I do that. I do that at work, too. Like, I'll be, like, filming a wedding. And, like, honestly, like, sometimes my boss wouldn't love it. But I'll, like, set the camera down and, like, walk behind a pillar or something and just, like, answer this, like, note <laughs> that go. I just thought about, you know? Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, any time of day for me. But... I have learned that if I don't write it down immediately, it's gone. It's yeah. gone forever. So yeah. I, I have to write things down. That's cool, man. That's, um, there's some great tips. Um, yeah. cause it really is important to get those ideas down cause they will leave as quick as they come. So oh, for sure. <laughs> and then sometimes I go in the notes app and I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right, like it's the yeah. most random sentence I've ever read. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And like, I, I just have to like throw it away. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. But I know that at one point I thought that was an idea. 
Yep. Yep. We all have those, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you did mention that you, so you create a playlist, but I'm guessing you don't listen to that playlist while you write, but you have it like mm-hmm. on the side for like inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, sometimes I like to go for walks or runs and, um, I'll listen to them then. Oh, cool. And it just puts me in the world. Like, uh, like for instance, I was writing a movie called, uh, rough patch. That's still kind of a, in a rough patch. It's a, <laughs> it's still kind of a work in progress, but, um, there was one song, uh, it was a cover of Someday by The Strokes, but it was by this Australian. I think she's Australian, maybe New Zealand, but this uh, artist named Julia Jacqueline. And she does this performance of a Strokes song that's like so like haunting and slowed down and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the lyrics kind of go with the subject matter of the movie. And uh, that was a big one for me because I felt like I could always see this big climactic ending scene happening to that song. So going out and going for a walk or a run and listening to that and thinking about that ending scene before I come back and write, you know, sometimes that's helpful. Um, yeah. Honestly, lately, sometimes I just like listen to the playlist, listen to two or three songs that put me in the headspace of the movie before I start writing. And that kind of helps because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because, sometimes yeah. you know, sometimes I'm listening to the song and I can just see the movie in my head. Right. And I don't know if that's just a, uh, you know, if that's more of a writer director thing. Yeah. I've always been curious about people who are just screenwriters and have no directing aspirations. Like, so do you watch the movie in your head or the show? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm always doing. Right. Same here. I'm writing, you know, and imagining like this is how it would be lit. And this is what the vibe would be yeah Um, but yeah so that's what it is for me so visualizing it is huge and when i have a song that like feels like it could be the trailer song Mm. you know or whatever that that really helps me yeah and usually you know i i go for songs that are uh lyrically um on point you know um i mean for instance there's a song on the bellyache playlist and i feel like a fair amount of people who listen to this podcast have read bellyache, but um, there's basically a woman who goes viral and she very quickly realizes she doesn't like being viral. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one song on the playlist by an artist named Dan reader. That's like uh, the, the lyrics are like, uh, don't want to be on no TV show and don't want to be on no radio and whatever, whatever. And um but basically saying like, I just want to be alone today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that goes so perfectly with this one moment in the script, this one yeah. in the script of how this character's feeling emotionally. Yeah. So stuff like that, you know, I try to find lyrically uh, similar, but then also, you know, sometimes it's just nothing to do with the lyrics and everything to do with the vibe and the tone. Like, right. Right. I have a feature about these uh, teenage skater kids who are a lot like me and my buddies when we were kids Mm-hmm. And um, there's a song called, wait, it's not, it's not Astro Zombies. It's uh, something else. Anyway, it's a, a Misfits song. Oh, it's called Children in Heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, by the Misfits. And it's this. Uh, it's a just, funny name. I know, right? And it's this, <laughs> punk, it's an old punk rock song from the 80s. And uh, the Misfits often wrote, you know, lyrics really inspired by horror movies and you know about like you know gruesome shit and um so it has nothing to do with the vibe of my uh 
my script however it's like it's total punk rock skateboarder type music and it's what i loved when i was like 15 16 yeah. I, I still love it today but it's we all love the music we loved at 15 right yeah, like that's yeah. <laughs> with you forever and um but i'll listen to that and it instantly puts me in that world of like cool. me when i was 15 as a skateboarder because that's honestly the world that i need to that's the the memories that i need to be living in when i'm writing that script right time you know, is, uh, just the way I was is like a little fucking delinquent kid. (laughs) Cause that all that movie is, is kids getting into trouble and, uh, you know, just being a little delinquent. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's basically the vibe of a lot of the playlists that I make. Cool. I think, I think really fun thing too, real quick. Yeah. As a big music fan. And I know you're a big music fan. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really fun because that's art. And what we're doing is art and it's cool finding other pieces of art that inspire you for your life. And uh, so honestly, compiling playlists and listening to songs and like finding that perfect one that matches and stuff, it gets me so excited, but it's one of the, my favorite parts about the, the writing process. Cause you know, it's all writing and uh, that's an early part for me is being like, I have this script, I have this idea, ideas are turning all the time um and then going on to like spotify and honestly i really hate the way streaming has screwed artists out of money however i will say spotify makes it so easy to do things like that to just like explore nearly every song ever made and the ones that you like you know you don't have to go out and buy albums Mm. uh you know i would sacrifice that that um luxury if it meant artists getting paid fairly and buying albums because i actually loved going to the store and buying yeah me too man like uh having the lyrics all the way through yeah the lyrics the lyrics packet inside the book with the artwork yeah yeah you know it's like it's supposed to be an experience listening Mm -hmm. to a full album it's not supposed to be like oh i like that one song one song right and take it out of the the mix yeah uh, one thing you mentioned too i think is helpful for people uh, who are listening like you have you've had success in the screenwriting world and basically what you're saying is you don't really have like this structure to how you know you go about your whole um like jumping into like the routine of screenwriting mm-hmm. and you know it's good for people to know like i'm not saying don't try to have structure or anything like that but i'm saying you like you should. know yeah don't try to be like me <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> i'm always trying to fix the way i am but <laughs> but but you found success right and i think people mm-hmm. like like you know get overwhelmed thinking about structure at times you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they could feel like they're less of a writer because they don't have structure and i i would encourage people to not think that way and, and to yeah. to to understand like we're just all fucking different we're all mm-hmm. different human beings mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. um, different ways of going about things. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing is to get words on the page, right? Yeah. Um, however you go about doing that, you know, it's mm-hmm. up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, yeah. De- deadlines are your friend too. Yeah. Those, like those are definitely setting, helpful. Even setting personal mm-hmm. deadlines. That's something mm-hmm. I try to do. Um, it, it really makes all the difference. Cause like, honestly, the, when I was really grinding and getting the most done is when I was in film school and I had no choice, mm-hmm. you know, things were due. Yeah. I just read a post on my Facebook memories today that was like, uh, what did it say? It said, 
uh, editing and doing ADR for a short film, which is due in a few days, which was Tin Box. Mm-hmm. Um, finishing a half hour Family Guy spec. Uh, finishing a feature, which was the first draft of Maximo. And uh, and then I think I was finishing a one-act play for my playwriting class, but it was the end of the semester grind, you know, December. Yeah, yeah. And I was finishing all those things at once. And it's like, man, that's... At the time, I was overwhelmed. But looking back, I'm like, dude, I wish I was still operating at that level and, like, being forced to, yeah. to do all those things at once. Because the cool thing is I got all of them done. Yeah. And like they were all big milestones for me. Like I don't do anything with the family guy spec, but it was really cool having written that. And yeah. like, cause it was just one of those experiences writing to someone else's voice and family guy is joke, 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 joke. So I wrote like the most joke heavy thing I've ever written. Yeah. Um, and it just sits on a shelf, but it's cool. I wrote it. And then like, uh, you know, of course, Maximo, that was my second feature, huge milestone. You did it again. You did yeah. your second one now um you know the one act play whatever whatever but just like going through those motions and like being forced to do things so for me like yeah i'm I'm always trying to incorporate deadlines on myself because uh if you don't i just give my for me i give myself freedom to just be like i can take my time and take forever on it mm. and if there's deadlines in place you know it's like you don't have a choice it's got to get done yeah yeah for me like so when I first started screenwriting, like the whole deadline thing were contests. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like, man, yeah. I, I want to try and get this in on this deadline. Yep. Um, funny you mentioned that I like driving back home this morning from like grabbing my donut um, and coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually thinking like, man, cause I didn't enter any screenwriting contests this, this year. But I was thinking, I think in 2024, like I want to enter maybe <laughs> like, right. You're like clapping for me. No, yeah, for real. I mean, it's, it's just nice to take a break. It is. It is. And, and I, and I'm thinking like, okay, I, I want to enter in 2024, maybe like two or three, yeah. but the main reason, the main reason is the deadline thing. Just so yeah. I, I, yeah, I have something to kind of like push me in a, in a goal to work towards. That's like the main yeah. reason. So if it costs me like $300 to get like three scripts done, uh, because of deadlines, that's okay. Well I'm, I'm willing. Yeah. Money well spent. And, and, you know, I, I kind of like got my feet wet a not enough but like to the point where it's like i'm not getting used to the rejections but i understand that's part of the whole process right so mm-hmm. you know even if even if nothing happens of those scripts at least i got got shit done so yeah it's interesting yeah, man. cool yeah. um so we've, we've talked about this a little bit but describe your process you know you have like a new idea do you jump into it you write an outline um blog line title mm-hmm. you create it you create a list or sorry um, a playlist yeah. Have music so that's really cool what else do you do yeah, yeah you know the playlist kind of comes maybe as like the second or maybe the, like the third or fourth thing mm-hmm. um usually the first thing for me <clears throat> i like to have a, a log line that i think makes sense which like i've i've come to realize is really different from a lot of writers mm-hmm. um i just like to know if a story has legs if an idea has legs i feel like i should be able to write it in the log line which is this character wants to do this. This is what's pushing against them. And I mean, that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Uh, I would. Can they overcome? Yeah. And can they overcome? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or how are they going to try to overcome? Yeah. Um, So like, yeah, I like to come up with a log line. I just think it's a really simple way to see if an idea has legs and then I can kind of 
go from there. Like, you know, here's a predicament that I think is interesting uh, for a movie. Who would be the most interesting person to put in that situation? You know, and then so it can be like, you know, a retired cop, you know, uh, you know, whatever has to do this. Uh, this is how bad of a writer I am. I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. But, um, but yeah, like that's the first thing I do is write a log line. So uh, piggybacking I'll- off of that a little, not really piggybacking, but um, just in regards to that a little bit. Would you say that you have the beginning of the script kind of in your head to begin mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, like, I don't know, it just uh, sometimes it's just a premise too. like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have a bunch of like, uh, I don't want to give away all my shit, but yeah, I have like just don't. a little dry erase board over here. That's just like random ideas that are like, that sounds like a movie that feels like a movie. Yeah. Um, and they're just, you know, a few words, but, um, but I will say like, yeah, I, I usually, I'm, I'm really big. Okay. So here's an interesting way of how I write and I'll get, I'll get to this, but, um, so I write a log line. I usually, mm-hmm. another weird thing about me is I really, really want to have a title that mm-hmm. I don't just like, I love. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing for me. It, it'll like, it'll trip me up. And then when I come up with a title, again, really nerdy shit. I go try to find a really cool font that I could see being on the poster of the movie. Yeah. And I decide on that. And now I have this open word document with the title in the cool font, um, the log line. And now I feel like I'm ready to outline, Yeah, you know, just basic outline. And, uh, usually I use save the cat, (laughs) but I'm using that shout out number two. Shout out number two. And, um, but usually I'm using that beat sheet still to this day. And, you know, people talk shit and say, you're only going to get a formulaic script, but I will say that I've had not a bad run on my shit. That's been save the cat inspired. Uh, so I don't really buy into that. I think it's just a roadmap and it's It's all about, it's a guide and it's all Mm -hmm. about what you put in there, you know? Um, but so yeah, usually I'll go cool title, log line. Now I feel like I can visualize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I start writing an outline. But a thing that I've started messing with in like the last year that I think is my new process is I'll come up with some main beats that I want to hit in an outline, mm-hmm. but I don't really like stress out about it. And I don't mm-hmm. like try to go too hard. And then I go in and I write the whole first act. Um, cause the reason that I do that is there was a while where I was like, okay, you got to be a real professional writer, real pros outline. And then they go in and write pages, but they do the whole outline and get it, you know, a treatment really where they like it. Yeah. And for me, what I found was I w- I did that a couple times and I would get into the writing process and be like, why is this not working? And I think what it was, was that I didn't get a chance to know these characters, hear them talk to each other. And so that's a huge thing for me now is that I need to go in and like come up with the protagonists, let them go through some stuff, let them meet a few people in the first 10 pages and they have those conversations. And now I'm getting a feel for who they are and how they talk. And, um, and that kind of informs everything for me yeah. is like I have to get in there and see who this person is and it's weird because we're designing the characters right mm-hmm. but like 
I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if you relate to this or anyone else, but it's like, they really do become their own person. They do. Like, and all of a sudden, like they're talking and you're like, Oh, that is what they would say. Yeah. In that moment, you know, it's really weird. And I think in my early days, I didn't understand how, and I wanted that for myself as a writer, Yeah, but I didn't understand it. And now I totally get it. Yeah. No, this is such a, um, an interesting question to kind of like dig into because basically what you're saying is like you have you have this outline and then as you're writing your characters want wants to do something different than what's on the outline right they want to go they want to go a different way and Mm -hmm. if you're just so stuck on that outline it's like you work against the flow of your story the pace of your story the tone of your story and the natural feel that the story should go um Mm -hmm. Because yeah. those characters are now, like you're saying, they're they're coming alive. They're doing their own things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, would do you ever do you have the end end in mind when you're writing, or are yeah. you more fluid now? Like with okay, I'm gonna let these characters go and kind of like figure out their own ending, or like how? What would you say? It's been different for me with different scripts. I yeah. love to know the ending. That's always mm-hmm. great. Like Suplex, I knew the ending of that from the day I started it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird that it, it worked out so perfectly, but, um, I remember writing bellyache. I couldn't come up with the ending in the beginning Yeah, and I figured it out along the way. Cool. And it ended up working out. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing for Maximo. In fact, I'm still doing that with Maximo cause I'm kind of doing in the middle of a page one rewrite that mm-hmm. I'm on like page like 60 of, but, um, and I'm feeling it out, but like, yeah, it, it's different every time. But like for me, so I, I, outline main beats that i think could guide the story then i go in and write the first act and when i'm done with the first act i have a much clearer vision of what this thing is and what it should be then i can go through and uh beef up the outline and sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm deleting all the shit that i had before right those were just guideposts to like get started you know see where i could go but um but yeah, now I really, really do like to, before I go back into pages to find the ending, mm-hmm. how does this thing end and how is it going to resolve? And um, yeah, that's, you know, I feel like it's going to always be an evolving thing. I'd be really curious to hear, you know, an Alexander Payne or someone who's had this really long career uh, filled with so much success to know like, you know, is your process still evolving or is it now like pretty set in stone? Like this is how you work. It's like this every time. And I bet from writer to writer, it's different. But like for me, it's been an ever evolving thing. Yeah. Same here. I feel like I'm still always trying to figure out. I watched this uh, cool interview. I feel like I uh, maybe mentioned this before. I think it was. Yeah. I was going to bring it up. It's Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah. Ryan Johnson and Daniels. Yeah. uh, And they were talking about their movies and, I think it was Daniel saying, um, you know, I feel like it's always changing for us, our process. And we're always trying to figure out, you know, what's what's the right way to Mm -hmm. do this. And Ryan Johnson was like, uh, well, when you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like these are these two like now, you know, with especially Daniel's recent success, Titans in the industry. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's just funny that they both talked like completely green amateurs who were still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. what it is, man. That That's what art is. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you're, oh, you're never going to understand how to make art like in every, it's so circumstantial 
every story mm-hmm. is different. Every story is unique. Every movie is unique. Sometimes you have a big budget. Sometimes you have a tiny budget. Um, sometimes, you know, when you're writing, you're writing this big story. And sometimes you're writing a contained thing with two people in a room for the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. Everything is so circumstantial that like your process needs to be evolving. And that's why I think, you know, as a writer, for sure. Uh, well, as a writer, probably but as a filmmaker for sure especially if you're a director that you need to really be fluid at all times in your creativity and never be too rigid Mm -hmm. and set in your ways um because you know every story calls for a different situation especially if you're a filmmaker every collaborator calls for a different feel to the way you work with each other and Mm -hmm. you know how you guys get the best out of each other um yeah, it's it, it just it really pays to be fluid. So I try not to be too hard on myself about that, about like, you know, my process is always changing. And am I doing it the right way? Because I've kind of come to learn now that it's always going to be changing. And that's exactly where you should be. Right now. So for when I think about, you know, like my writing process and, and you know, there's times when I mean, you, you, you kind of understand how I write. I usually have like some type of twist, right. Where I'm like, okay, I want this yeah. twist to like go into the end of, of the, the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Knight Shyamalan. Try, try. I did my Shyamalan impression on Tin Box. I feel like. <laughs> hey, it worked. It was yeah, good. I fucking yeah. love them. Right? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like now I'm starting to like understand that potentially the ending that I really want to have in my head mm-hmm. isn't so much plot as much as it is um, emotion. Mm. So when, when you ha- when you search for that ending, mm-hmm. yeah, are you searching for a plot point or are you searching for an emotion or a character development? Like, yeah, I feel like sometimes a plot point mm-hmm. and you can correct me if you if you don't think this is correct. Um, yeah but a plot point can sometimes hinder the flow of the story because you feel like you have to get to a certain, you know, plot point. Right. But if you have like almost yeah. like a, like a character point mm-hmm. or like, I want my character be, to be developed like this at this point, mm-hmm. then how they get there mm-hmm. is just up to however you want to, you know, write as you're writing. Yeah. I think for me, it's always about character development That's cool. by yeah. the end and wanting to bring it full circle, like basically like, well, not full circle, actually full arc, but right. I always want um, something I think about a lot is, and I feel like I might've learned this from Save the Cat. I might've learned it from some other different, you know, uh, screenwriting book or method. But um, I love to think when I start out a, a beat sheet, about opening and closing image and how those two are going to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of spoil like, you know, suplex a piece of my writing that you've read and a few people have read, but it's basically about a kid who is very cowardly in the beginning. And he goes on this journey of joining this very violent, gritty backyard wrestling league, uh, trying to find strength to leave a situation an abusive home, you know, things like that. Uh, but he is like cowardly in the beginning. And that's the opening scene that we get is him trying to be strong and then being torn down and reminded that he's a coward. Yeah. 
Um, but the end of the movie, the final image without spoiling too much, it's just very clear that this dude did everything he possibly could to overcome that cowardice. Yeah. And he is laying there a new man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's ready to face the world no matter what it brings. Mm -hmm. It can't be worse than what he's endured in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think about stuff like that a lot when I think about like how to end a movie it's 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 definitely like, i mean plot point matters you know like in that movie you could say that the ending is like you know they they go through this movie this wrestling movie and at the end of course you give the audience what they think they're going to get the big yeah. fight mm-hmm. you know the biggest fight of the movie and um and i think as a viewer this is just me personally i would be upset if I got deprived of the big match at the end of a wrestling movie, it feels Mm -hmm. like you need to get it. It's like Rocky, you know? Um, I've always thought of suplex as like Midwest's lower class Rocky. (laughs) You know what I mean? mean, Rocky himself was lower class too, but very Philly. Um, But this is like the Midwest rural version of that. Um, I mean, it's backyard wrestling. It's backyard wrestling. It's not, <laughs> so, it's not yeah. boxing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like so I think about that a lot, about the change and also the emotion is a huge thing for me. I think that I always think I mean, I want everything that I ever make, I want it to end on a big emotion, no matter what the emotion is, sadness, despair, um, joy, happiness, uh, you know laughter whatever i wanted to end big and um and that's something i really focus on and also a thing that i really focus on in writing but also filmmaking especially this is more so filmmaking i guess but you know i heard this early on and it's stuck with me is that like you know if you make a 90 minute movie you can make a movie that is really really good for 80 minutes and the last 10 it kind of you know doesn't it misses the mark People will always remember your movie as a bad movie. Yeah. You know, because you left them disappointed. On the contrary, you can make a movie that's 80 minutes of like, "Ah, I feel like I've seen this before, you know, and like it's fine. But the last 10 minutes are something they feel like they've never seen, or like you hit them with this like huge emotion that you're like, wow, that really came together in the end. People remember it as a good movie. I'm that way. Yeah. And uh, and I'm more likely to rewatch your movie if it was 80 minutes of like, yeah, I've seen it before, 10 minutes of amazing at the end. Yeah, I'm more likely to watch that than you made this really cool movie that sucks in the end. Yeah, um, that that will make me not want to watch your movie again mm. uh, because it's such a letdown at the right. end. Um, so I really try to carry that. And, you know, maybe not everyone's like that, but that definitely speaks to how I am as a viewer, uh, as an audience member. I'm so definitely like that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, had, yeah. I had two movies for both of your examples that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by the way, my camera died in case. Oh, yeah, we never first, addressed it. Yeah, we never addressed it. But like in case I'm at a different <laughs> angle or whatever um, yeah, yeah. for the video. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I want so I wanted to ask this question to you because you write and you direct and uh, along the lines of like process and whatnot, um, you know, you don't have to go too deep into it. I know that directing has definitely changed kind of like my writing process. And I kind of want to know how, you know, like knowing that you're going to get something made or making your own stuff, 
informs your process. Yeah, um, it definitely makes your aspirations much smaller on the page <laughs> uh, of like what you can actually accomplish. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think for me, <clears throat> I've been wanting to direct my own stuff since I started. I have that luxury. So like, you know, short films and stuff, I had to like really figure out along the way, don't write beyond what you can actually achieve as a filmmaker. Um, don't write a huge action sequence. I've never really had the issue of like, <clears throat> you know, I wrote like this big car crash sequence um, because I've just always been aware. I mean, in suplex, you know, at one point a house burns down. Yeah, yeah. I knew that that was like pushing it, but that's something that I could do later in my career. Yeah, yeah. people give me money but doing that on my own it would be pretty tough to figure out and like if mm-hmm. i if someone gave me like 100k to do the movie i might need to alter that scene mm-hmm. you know to where i'm not actually burning a house or a section of a house down um figure out something else you know maybe i'm burning a car and we get like a junker car for like 500 bucks and we burn that out you know yeah. uh which is achievable but um but yeah, it informs my writing for sure from a budget perspective and what's actually possible for me, mm-hmm. um, especially at my level in which I'm currently making short films. It's like I don't write anything too crazy because um, I just know that I don't have the the means to carry it out a lot of the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just tough. Um, it's expensive and I don't have a lot of money. Um, but, you know, on my feature work, you know, my version of shooting for the stars isn't a lot of people's version of shooting for the stars. Like right. a lot of people are like, you know, and then two set satellites in space collide. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And like, uh, for the me, the world like, blacks out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But for me, usually, um, yeah, I write to a smaller scale, which I kind of think is a strength of mine because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, um, especially as a newer director, they don't want to entrust you with a $40 million budget, yeah. you know? So writing things that are very achievable for a director with not a lot of money, I would say is a good idea for any director, but it's something that it's like my natural inclination. In fact, a lot of the script notes that I've gotten, even on Bellyache, the one feature I have like in development, that seems like it's going to happen. Some of the earliest notes I got on it are how can we make this bigger? You know what I mean? We actually, uh, yeah, I know. We actually injected things into the movie that would make it more expensive and make it bigger. Um, And that was their call, you know, Mm -hmm. not mine. So like, yeah, my natural inclination is to write small. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, So on average, how long do you think it takes you to knock out a first draft? Oh God. (laughs) Um, I think we've kind of heard this answer a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've answered it on other episodes. I'm a slow writer, a notoriously slow writer. Um, You know, again, when I was in film school, it was great because I I had to get it done. Yeah. Um, But for me, I would say like a feature, it depends on what I have going on. Like, you know, for instance, this year, like I've talked about it a lot on the pod. We did, I directed three short films um, and I was a producer on a fourth. Yeah. It was a lot of work, dude. Yeah, uh, a lot of product pre-production meetings, a lot of just everything that goes into it, and then like trying to get them 
at least started on post. Mm -hmm. Uh, My writing definitely took a hit this year because of all that. But, you know, like my manager is cool with it because he's like, you know, I see you hustling. Obviously, it's not like you're sitting doing nothing. And that's why we're not getting a new piece of writing from you. It's like we know that you're out there grinding on this other thing. Um, So that's been cool. But like if I have nothing else going on, I would say, you know, from idea conception to finished first draft three or four months probably yeah. you know if i have nothing else going on and i'm just mm-hmm. really focused on that yeah cool <clears throat> i could probably do quicker again but only if i was under the gun like yeah. if someone if someone paid me you know a good amount of money and said we needed in eight weeks a feature i could for mm-hmm. sure do it i could definitely yeah, yeah, do it. yeah it would just be probably not my best work and um but i can do it for sure you know the thing the reason that my writing takes so long i think is i'm really bad about wanting the first draft to be perfect Mm -hmm. and i really i have a lot of trouble moving on from a scene that i'm writing yeah if i'm not like that feels great yeah you know like that feels really good and i feel really good moving on and a reason i'm like that i think is if ah shit Cause I feel like what you write in the previous scene, you know, informs the whole rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time, dude, just being like, yeah, that's fine. Like kind of writing like placeholder scenes. Yeah. Um, I always want them to be like in the best shape they can be because they're going to inform the rest of the movie. And uh, yeah, I think that's part of what takes me so long. Is just being too much of a perfectionist early on. But, you know, who's to say too much, though, too? Because I think everyone has their thing. And, like, you know, some people, more power to you if you write, like, a first draft where you're like, oh, I know this isn't great. Like, I'm fully aware of that and I'm fully okay with that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to beef it up later in the rewrite. More power to you. But for me, it's like, it's just how my brain works. And I've kind of come to accept that, you know, like, because I think I would do more harm to myself by trying really hard to change who, how I'm going to write. Like, and like I said earlier about being fluid, like I've, I've definitely tried like many different ways of doing things, but, um, but this is so natural to me to be a bit of a perfectionist in my early draft that um i don't know man i feel like it works it just takes a little longer that's all yeah you know but i end up coming out with a first draft that feels more like maybe like a second or third draft from other writers who kind of just push through yeah yeah and that's fine you know because it's like i bet you timeline wise we're probably on a similar timeline anyway yeah yeah you know i just take a little longer on the first draft and i catch up with them later (laughs) who knows maybe i don't know uh but that's why i'm a slow writer so yeah like you know three or four months you know sometimes longer depends on the project sometimes sometimes things just come out quick yeah and it's it's amazing and then sometimes things are a little harder like i said maximo i started that as my second feature in the beginning of no that the the latter half of 2019 Mm -hmm. after i finished suplex i went back to school in the fall that was the the feature I wrote. I wrote the whole feature over the course of a semester. And um, 
finished it, but I just never loved it. And I've gotten a lot better at writing since then. Uh, Suplex was one of those kind of magical scripts that just came out like damn near fully formed in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I've definitely rewritten it as I've gotten better at writing, but like a lot of what is there was there in the beginning, which is pretty crazy because uh, my second effort Maximo was not as, uh, as complete, but, um, but I'm, I'm finishing Maximo now, you know, three years later, three yeah. and a half years later, I'm, I'm still working on that script. So, you know, sometimes they take forever to get yeah. where you want them to be. And that's just what it is. I think, um, I think one thing I appreciate about your writing and, and your scripts and stuff is, I mean, for as long as I've known you, like these mm -hmm. projects that you're talking about have been projects that you've like been talking about yeah. and some are more developed than others. But what I really appreciate is it seems like you're um, aiming for quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have like an idea, you kind of like stick with it and work with it and maybe you take a break from it, but you come back to it and try to get it to where it needs to be. And I think that, mm -hmm. I think that that's important. Um, sticking yeah. with the story. I think even in, when you get up to the level of working with producers, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have to stick and work really hard on, on one story. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that obviously, you know, you, you focusing on those stories kind of puts you in a position to be able to do that and understand that, understand what it takes to make even, you know, like big tweaks to a story to even like the slightest tweaks that mm -hmm. just make it what it is and make it, makes it better. So I don't know. That's yeah. really cool. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's so true, dude. Like anyone, if you haven't been through development yet with like a producing team, you will have to, rewrite your script so much um just it's just how it goes through development you know like this person joins they have notes this person joins they have notes mm -hmm. and it just is what it is and that's the story of most movies um so yeah you're right you you really have to get resilient and the script is like never done until it's done uh um, yeah uh, okay so when the first when your first draft is complete right so you yep. complete your mm -hmm. draft after four months which technically isn't the first draft it's what we're like figuring out right it is and it isn't yeah yeah so what do you do with it after that do you send it out do you hoard yeah. it do you keep it to yourself do you lock it away in a closet or yeah i usually try box? to find some uh <laughs> i usually try to find some trusted readers um a few people to take a look and give me some yeah. notes maybe um, I have a couple friends who will do that. You know, you've been one before, mm -hmm. um, but that's usually what I do early, you know, and then it used to be that I would try to get it in contest shape and send yeah. it to contests, but I'm not really entering contests anymore. So, um, now it would be, you know, I might have a couple people look at it, it but again, if I'm confident in the first draft and really think it's quite good, which like, honestly, usually I am because I took so long on it, you know, that I feel pretty good about it. I'll just send it straight to my manager too. Yeah. Um, get some thoughts from him and, you know, them really, because it's kind of a team of managers at Epicenter and everyone reads everything. Yeah. Um, I'll get thoughts from them and um, yeah, that's pretty much where it is, you know, I'll, I'll, and then I'll go into the rewrite phase with all of my notes and see which ones I like, which ones I don't like do a rewrite and then um 
you you know, with any luck with my manager, hopefully we're taking it out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cool. Yep. Um just, you know, to kind of go into that a little bit, like how do you how do you like having, you know, a manager to be able to send your work to? I mean, does it feel more um guided? you know yeah the process yeah yeah definitely yeah and i gotta admit too my manager's pretty cool <laughs> like i've I've talked to some friends who their manager is like very very like particular about mm-hmm. like what they should write and what they shouldn't mm-hmm. write and here's like kind of where i think your voice would be best suited right now based on what kind of things are actually being like greenlit or like whatever right now yeah I've, I've just heard a few people talk about their relationship their conversations with their managers and you know you know uh i'm sure that their managers are doing great in fact i know for a fact for a few of them their managers are doing great things for them mm-hmm. so much like writing there's no one way to manage either and uh but one thing i really like about my manager jared murray um he's very cool about like you know i'm never going to tell you not to write something if you yeah. want to write it, if you think it's a good idea. Um, and, you know, we've had that conversation, but then also I think he just trusts me that like, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of writing in a little bit of a unique space, you know, these kind of smaller stories about, you know, it's set in the Midwest and working class characters usually, and like um, put in, you know, dramatic situations um, that I think he like, he understands kind of what I was saying earlier, you know, a lot of times like dramas and dramedies, it's not always the log line that's going to hook you. You want to have the best log line you possibly can, no matter what genre you're writing. in. you want to try to find a strong hook, mm-hmm. but not every movie in those genres has that, you know, they don't have that, like, you know, a quiet place, like, you know, aliens come to earth and they hunt based on sound. So the world is forced to live in silence. Yeah. That's an amazing log line. You yeah, know, yeah. immediately you want to see that. My shit, you don't want to see right away. But um, but I think <laughs> he understands that like it's usually in the writing for me that like uh you know, hopefully, and some of the feedback we've gotten is the writing is so good. So I think he's like pretty cool about not judging a book by its cover and being yeah. like, go write it and we'll go from there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's mm-hmm. let's see what you got first um and yeah it's been going really good and then like i mean as far as like having a manager to get you out to the industry it's been absolutely invaluable and like just honestly incredible for me um the feature i have in development wouldn't have happened without jared connecting me to the industry um i took like probably like 25 or 30 generals in 2022 Nice. Uh, before you know all the, sh- the shutdowns this year mm-hmm. um, but i took like a bunch of generals dude and at like some companies that like i can't believe they even wanted to meet with me um like really notable people who i admire so much their production company um and it was just fucking awesome dude it was it was so cool and i, I really like it's definitely been a game changer and a huge level up and uh yeah man i don't know and now it's just like the balls in my court to keep it rolling that's like that was actually a struggle for me in the beginning after getting a manager Mm -hmm. was um you know i had spent 
three, four years grinding super hard. And my goal was to get it. Actually, for me, it was like two years of like really, really focused work. Like, cause after I finished suplex in like the summer of 2019, I ended up getting wrapped at the end of 2021. So it was like two and a half years of like really, really going hard at the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting all my energy into it. And my goal was to get a manager at the time. My goal wasn't, you know, uh, um, I need to make a movie. Yeah. Um, that was for sure one of my goals, but like, I very much believe in like short-term goals, you know, like, of course your long-term goal is to have a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. And right. Be, right. Like, right. You know, famous <laughs> famous uh, writer or famous director or whatever you want to be. But um, but you need to set small, manageable goals in between those. Yeah. And for me, my first milestone was to get a manager. Mm-hmm. And when I achieved that, it was kind of a tough thing for me because it was just really remapping everything like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. like I did that. Now I need to figure out where I'm going from here. And, yeah. you know, Jared was getting me into these rooms with people who, you know, were awesome and it was really cool to meet with. And hopefully I'm staying on their radar, you know, with future work. But um, but it's been yeah, it's like now. Oh, damn. I guess the next thing is like I got to get something made. <laughs> that's like a whole a way harder goal to achieve. But um, but luckily, it seems like I have one that's on its way. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's been great having a manager and I don't have an agent. Um, I do have a lawyer now, which has been awesome. Honestly, going through the uh, the contract phase for the thing I have in development. Um, you know, I had heard on podcasts before, get a lawyer. Yeah. Don't try to negotiate your own deal. And uh, I 100% agree with that. Like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. The way that my lawyer went to bat for me and, you know, really took into consideration what I want, told me what I should be asking for, um, helped explain the process to me in like just a, you know, he was just fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, so I would recommend to anyone get a lawyer. I don't really know about agents yet, you know, like uh, if an agent, that I vibed with wanted to work with me, I'd be very open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something I want to check off the the list. But um, I've heard some people say, you know, really a lawyer can get all that done for you. They're not mm-hmm. going to get you in all the rooms that an agent can, but um, but a lawyer can really negotiate your deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, And I don't know. I know some people roll without agents. Some people roll with just an agent and no manager. Yeah. You know, so like I, I don't know. There's combinations of doing it that I can't speak to. But um but yeah, right now I have a manager and a lawyer and uh and it's been great, dude. Like um because you just you can't help but feel so out of your element going through right, that for the first right. time. And um definitely a fish out of water thing, and it's just great to have smart people on your team who can guide you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Uh, it almost seems like, you know, potentially like if you don't have any development and obviously like an, an agent, you know, you get approached by an agent, maybe it's beneficial at that point, you know, like having something yeah. in, de- in development. Um, yeah. I mean, unless you want like maybe more things in development potentially, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. From what I've heard too, agents really, they don't just read your spec and want to be a part of you, your team. Mm-hmm. Agents usually come in when there's like a deal on the table. 
and they can like come in and help finesse it, you know, yeah. things like that. And then they're kind of a part of your team. That's what, and also that's from what I understand too. I could be completely off base about that. I don't know enough to really be speaking about this. Just want to put that out as a disclaimer. Um, I have friends with agents who could probably do a hell of a lot better talking yeah. about this than me, but that's the gist that I've understood is like managers come in to help you mold your career. They can yeah. take you from you being a, an early voice and knowing that you're going to be a two year, three year commitment before you get real traction going. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the job they take on, you know, and it's, and they know they're not going to get paid, but it's an investment. Right. Right. Um, and because they see talent, you know, and they think that they can help bring that talent to the highest level that they can get it to. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's great. Um, but from what I understand agents, yeah, they're more deal focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, they're helping to, to work the deals and get things sold, which is also, an awesome part of the 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 it's an awesome ingredient in what you would want in a successful screenwriting career is like yeah i don't just want to get meetings i want to also sell shit yeah for sure you know, like <laughs> i want to i want to make money and yeah uh, so yeah um but yeah anyway having reps has been great cool that's good um so you so okay you you kind of hit so you have placed in the nickel right you've won script um pipelines wow. uh first look contest right you've landed a manager right yep. that's like that's like the trifecta for like entry-level screenwriters right yeah yeah i got you know what i mean it's sure. like it's kind of like you kind of hit all the points that you know when you first start screenwriting you start entering these contests that people like they those are the points they want to hit Mm -hmm. um i guess how does it feel you know what i mean how's how does that feel to have hit yeah. that trifecta yeah i mean it felt great at the time um it's definitely worn off now yeah. you know now it's just kind of like i don't know business as usual like i'm right back to just trying to grind it out but yeah getting that early success was awesome like when i went deep in the nickel i was on cloud nine and it just so happened that we had just wrapped shooting on a short film that i wrote and directed called ethan and edna which you can watch on youtube um on this channel but um <laughs> if you're watching on youtube but um if not andy compton film on youtube and then looked at my phone and i got the notification that i you know had gone deep in the nickel yeah and i was like just in disbelief honestly like I, I couldn't believe it i was so fucking stoked like i've told this story before on the pod but in 2020 2020 i submitted two features to the nickel at the time you could submit more than one i think they've since implemented a rule that it's one one project per writer mm -hmm. but um <clears throat> but i submitted two suplex and bellyache and they both got rejected they didn't make the quarters and that was fine. And I went away for a year and I was like, I'm going to keep polishing these things, you know, and trying to get them good. So I did. And the next year I submitted again, 2021. And that was when they both went deep and they both just kept going. They passed the quarters and then they made the semis and then they, neither of them made the finals. But like, I did find out that the semifinals alone are the top 150 out of like, I forget how many submissions there were like 13 or 14,000. Mm. And, uh, so I had two in the top 150, but then I found out Suplex made the top 50. Wow, yeah. Uh, which was like, I was 
pretty over the moon, man. Of course I wanted to be a finalist or I wanted to win the whole thing, you know, yeah. or be one of the winners, but, um, but it was pretty dope. And then I came to find out that being a semifinalist goes a long way. Yeah. And I got some, you know, interest from managers and, uh, and eventually it led to me landing with Jared at Epicenter. But, um, but yeah, man, I was feeling good. And then, you know, shortly after I found out the week of Christmas, 2021 before Christmas though, uh, that I had won script pipeline, Matt from script pipeline called me and I was like, what the hell? Oh, at first I was psyched cause I didn't know what the call was, but on my phone, it said Los Angeles. And anytime I get an LA call, I'm like, here it is, baby. Yeah. It's Spielberg. <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't Spielberg, but it was uh, Matt from Script Pipeline. He's a very cool dude, and he uh, <clears throat> he told me that Bellyache won. Yeah, it won the drama category of first look, and I was like, holy shit! And it was so ironic because I was entering contests for two and a half years trying to get a manager, mm-hmm. and then. I signed with Jared, I think like three days before I found out I won script pipeline. <laughs> yeah. So it was like when I, I was like, all I got to do is win a contest and then yeah. like, that's all I need to do. And then I signed with a manager and three days later, I win my first contest. When <laughs> I, I, I don't really need it anymore. Yeah. And like, I kind of laughed about it with Matt and he was like, no, nah, dude, you know, we'll, we can still do other things to try to help you. And like, and, you know, they, they probably tried, but it's like a lot of times what you're doing for people who win a contest is finding them reps. Yeah. And it was like, I kind of already had that solved, but I did get 2,500 bucks for winning. Awesome. That. But, um, and like a cool, like plaque, I actually, I keep it. I have like a storage thing above me. I keep it in. Cool. Uh, that's not a diss to script pipeline. I don't have it on the mantle or anything, <laughs> but, um, but they gave me this really cool award. That's like way nicer than I would have expected. It's really dope. Yeah. And, um, and a bunch of like, you know, a mug that says like, you know, winner of 2021 Andy Compton with belly ache and like just a bunch of cool shit. And um, so, yeah, anyway, doing that all at the end of 2021, it was a great, year and definitely it um you know having achieved that yeah it was great it felt really good but like you know i'm definitely guilty of like you know when the wins come i do like i want to celebrate them you know but like this is a thing in my own brain that i should probably keep working on is like i'm always just like yeah that's cool but it's not this and that's what is next and that's what i need to focus on so for me it was like i i definitely was happy to, you know, do all those things at the end of that year. But it was like, all right, what's next? You know, yeah. cause like, um, I have, I don't have a movie that's like been released theatrically and that's what I want. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It, it was cool for sure. And I'm definitely proud of myself, you know, for all these things that have happened so far. Cause it all came from hard work, you know, like, yeah. Um, it's just like for all of us, all of our wins, you know, they come from really, really hard work and dedicated work. So I'm definitely proud of myself, but, um, I'm always looking at that next thing that I need to do. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of creatives are like that in general, you know, you do something great, Mm -hmm. you know, you think it's, maybe you don't even think it's great. Right. But other people (laughs) think it's great Yeah, because you're thinking about the next thing. And I think at times, you know, sometimes that's almost like a good thing. 
because it yeah. keeps us being creative. It keeps us being innovative and it keeps us like striving for the next thing as, as torturous as it is yeah. because you don't necessarily feel satisfied. Um, yeah. and, I, and, and, you know, there's, there's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, I guess you could say, right. There's probably mm-hmm. a good side to it. There's also the bad side. Cause you do need to feel like content with your, prog- with your progress. And, but I understand like, yeah, uh, it can be difficult. So, but, so we're talking about, you know, kind of like the highs and the lows mm-hmm. of it, of the, mm-hmm. the whole process of the whole screenwriting, um, career or attempt to land one, um, not even just highs and lows. I mean, it could be highs and just reality. Right. Cause I think it's not a low realizing you have to go to your nine to five job. It's more just like uh-huh. a reality, <laughs> you know, reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. So some days so there's highs like and, a low. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's these highs and these lows and then there's these highs and these realities and you know what yeah. I mean? Uh-huh. I think something that's important, you know, that is almost like a needed for a baseline for anybody uh-huh. is something outside of screenwriting, like hobbies and stuff. So what do you do yeah. for your, you know, for hobbies, like, what do you like yeah. to do? I always feel like such a dork asking this question to my guests. <laughs> like, you know, what do you do for fun? Uh, it's important, for, man. It's so important in this career. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. For me, um, you know, uh, I like to skateboard. I've been skateboarding since I was like 12 years old, mm-hmm. uh, on and off kind of in my teens and twenties, but like, you know, there was a point where I was like real, there was multiple points where I was like real serious, serious about it and really thought that I was going to go somewhere with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, never could never got over that hump. Um, but like, I've always loved it. And, uh, in fact, I'm still kind of nursing a sprained wrist that I suffered last (laughs) week because I'm getting old. I fell on the smallest thing at the skate park. I, (laughs) I ate it. And, uh, like, Dude, it's all always my, the small things. Dude, all my like, weight <laughs> went down on my wrist and like bent it back. <laughs> and uh, when I got up, I literally, my whole arm and hand was numb. Yeah. And uh, and I was positive it was broken too. Like I didn't look at it for a second. It was just throbbing. And then I looked down and it was all in one piece. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, skateboarding, I've loved my whole life. Uh, music, I've loved my whole life. I still, you know, play guitar, play drums. Uh, not as much as I'd want to, but, um, you know, still very much a part of my life. Yeah. I watch movies, you know, I love comedy. Um, I try to keep up with that stuff. Um, you know, I try to run, you know, often yeah. I'm actually, uh, getting an exercise bike soon and I'm kind of cool. hyped about that. Cause yeah. like in, in the winter, it's pretty hard yeah, to go running. Like, brutal. dude, it's brutal. Like, you know, I, I like that. I'm not like dying of sweat like in the summer but mm. um even just breathing in the cold air dude it can be rough yeah. uh so yeah i'm hyped to have like an indoor thing i can do to still get cardio in um which i need to get back on track with i was so good about working out consistently before the pandemic mm. and i got so fucking lazy and like doughy during the pandemic <laughs> I, got, I got fat but um pretty sure like almost everybody <laughs> that's why i'm not hard on myself about it but it's like also we're a couple of years removed it's like you should be figuring that out bud but um but yeah i like that you know i hang out with friends um not not as often i've become very much like a recluse in uh in being sober and being like really driven towards this like film making goal yeah. like i find a lot of times i'm just like 
I, instead of like going out, I'd just rather like stay in and like try to get some stuff done. You yeah. Know, um, writing wise or editing wise, or sometimes it's doing this podcast. Um, you know, definitely I feel like, and also I think as you get older, it's just natural, you know, you're not hanging out with the boys as often. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it is what it is, but yeah, that's basically it for me. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude. Um, skateboarding is good. I mean, you get the exercising with skateboarding too, you know? You so, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I've held on to it, honestly. And for me too, like it's, I swear it's almost like a, like a meditative thing because, um, our skate park, in my town is like kind of off the main road and sort of like in the middle of like farmland. So when you get out there, you're really kind of in the middle of nowhere a little bit. And, um, when you're, I I have this theory, like when I'm, when I'm trying to land a trick or whatever, when I'm just skating, you have to be a hundred percent focused on that or you're going to fall and fuck your wrist up. And, uh, so for me, it's like all this film stuff, and screenwriting shit that dominates my mind for most of the day yeah. when i go skate i can just get away from it like truly yeah. get away from it because like if i go run or go for a walk or something i'm still thinking about it in fact that's like my time to hyper think about it uh, about you know the script i'm writing or like you know here's what i need to do this week or whatever all film related stuff but when I'm skating, I literally can't think about that or I'm going to eat shit and fall yeah. and get hurt. So, like, I kind of love it for that, too. It's like a little bit of like a forced meditation session where I yeah. don't think about film at all. That's cool. And that's I mean, that's needed. Really? It is. I mean, you it think is. it's really productive to just always be grinding and always be thinking about it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think that that's 100 percent true <laughs> no no it's really not yeah it's it's unhealthy <clears throat> but i think it's like you know as filmmakers it does just naturally dominate a large yeah. part of our brain like you going throughout the day you know like eating dinner you're like thinking about a dinner scene <laughs> like whatever like yeah. you know it's just like my brain naturally goes to it because i'm so obsessed with it yeah that like yeah you kind of have to force yourself to turn that off Cause yeah. also if I like, I've been in stages of my life where I'm really into meditating like every morning. And even then, dude, it's like, I, I'm not meditating for 20 minutes. I'm thinking about a screenplay for 20 minutes and then realizing right. and trying to push that thought out, but like also letting whatever thoughts are going to come in. Come, I'm not good at meditating. Dude, it's but, hard. Uh, it <laughs> it's, is, it it's is a difficult thing to do. I do. I do really love when I'm doing it consistently. I swear yeah. I can feel a difference. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yep. You hear that, everybody? So uh, start meditating. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put out a meditation podcast. Hey, soon. ASMR one? Yeah, yeah, I could. You know, I have <laughs> a, a decent mic. I have a blue Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 100 bucks. <laughs> it's not that decent, I guess, but it's okay. Cool. So um, what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? That you're proud Ooh. of? And um, Oh, you already know. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I always, well, no, I don't. I was going to say, I always feel a little corny asking this one too. It just, they feel like such like remedial questions to ask grown ass people. (laughs) So what are your hobbies outside of the screenwriting? And like, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's like a dating question almost. Yeah. But um, what's something you're proud of? You know, (laughs) tell me about that. It's just, it feels a little corny, but for me, let's see something recently that I'm proud of. Yeah, and, and like you um, know, it could be screenwriting, it could be not screenwriting. Yeah, filmmaking. Like a lot of a lot of people try to not give me. Yeah, I mean, shit. I got kind of two. One of them is that um, 
you know, we just closed a deal on the feature that I'm going to be making. So that's a huge accomplishment. It's a huge milestone. But like, again, I try not to celebrate that shit because it could all fall apart tomorrow. Yeah, we need to get to (laughs) set and start making the movie. Yeah. And actually, we need to to wrap on the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need to get, Gotta the get in the can. And I'll then... tell you what, I will very much celebrate whenever we get it in the can and mm-hmm. it's done. Cause that means I also wasn't fired, made a movie for me <laughs> as the director. Yeah. So uh that'll be good. But um uh so that's a huge thing. But also, you know, I talked about this on the pod a lot, but this year, me and some friends, you know, we made four short films together. Yeah. Um, dude, that was that really pushed me to the brink psychologically. Like mm-hmm. it was a lot. And I'm uh I'm just really proud that we we stuck to it. We're not out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. Uh I need pickup shots on two of the movies that are pretty small though. Mm-hmm. But two of them still need pickup shots, and you know, we're still gonna score it and all that. I will say the rough cuts are assembled for all of them, which is good. Yeah, it's great. Um but yeah, you know, we're chugging along on that, but just the fact that we did it and it was a lot of work for everyone. But um, yeah, I would say that's something I'm really proud of is just grinding it out and making an absurd amount of short films and really what was uh, from April to now. So, you know, not even a full year. Mm-hmm. Dude, good job. That's great. I mean, I've been, you know, kind of watching it from afar <laughs> obviously you know we talk when we can and stuff and hearing about just your uh progression with all that stuff's been awesome so thank you man well, I'm, I mean, pr- I'm proud too. of you too for that for doing that shit it's it's, it's fucking tough so good job thank you yeah and likewise too i mean you you had a killer year yeah, yeah. thanks man i appreciate yeah. it yep, yeah for sure for people that don't know gabe just wrote and directed uh his first feature film a gettysburg haunting and you guys are wrapped Yep, yeah, we're wrapped yeah, and it's, it's going, incredible. it's in post now. It's going through the edit process. Thanks for shouting it out, man. Absolutely, it. dude. No, I mean, like, it's such a fucking massive accomplishment. I'm, I'm proud of you. And, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's been this cool thing. Me and me and uh, Gabe have had this internet bromance going on for like yep. three years now. And, yep. uh, it's just cool, man, that like, you know, we're, we're both, we're not just like, stagnant like yeah both of us are like continuing to do new things and yeah like you know progress so yeah yeah dude it's been awesome to see yeah it's fun it's fun you know and i mean to encourage everybody else out there too you know find find people who are working hard and and kind of you know create a relationship with them and stick with them um it's really fun to see careers grow okay so uh what would be a few words of advice um to your fellow screenwriters out there and especially those getting, you know, started those entry level screenwriters. Yeah. Um, I would say be authentically you from the get go. Um, oh, good. As, as hard as that is, cause we all like mimic our heroes in the beginning to some extent, but I guess what I said, what I mean by that is like, what's your story? What's your point of view? as an artist and a creative um, try to lean into that from the earliest stages, you know, like, and your first script might just be your Jurassic park impression. And that's completely fine. That's normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you progress, really try to dig into what makes you unique 
because that's the thing that's going to get you far. No one can tell your story like you can. Mm-hmm. No one can speak from your point of view like you can. And that's the most interesting thing about art is hearing a creative's unique point of view. Um, and when someone has a unique point of view, it's leaping off the page and you can feel it on every page. And it's like, Oh, this, this person's different. Like this writing is different. Um, I would say that be authentically you, um, you know, work hard, uh, you know, don't, um, you know, don't, don't kill yourself trying to, you know, write 18 hours a day, every single day. I'm just saying, you know, put in the work and like, don't let yourself off the hook too easy. Cause that's, that's a huge part of it. It's just like, put your butt in the chair and just do the work, mm-hmm. even when you don't want to, or you don't feel like it. Cause a lot of times for me, what I've noticed is once I put my, when I force myself to put my butt in the chair and get started, mm-hmm. then, then I kind of get into it. A lot yeah. of times it's just sitting there watching TV and being like, ah, shit, I would love to just do this and yeah. just keep doing this. But then when you sit down and start doing the work, you kind of get excited and get in that world and just like, you know, you just get wrapped up in it. So try to always, you know, stay consistent, uh, work really hard, be authentically you and um, try not to compare yourself. It's really, really difficult, especially if like you're on social media and people are posting like contest wins. Yeah. And, you know, I got a manager and blah, 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 which is great. But that's their time to have that. Mm. And they've earned it. Um, but don't try not to compare yourself too much because we're all on our own journey. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's a really important thing. Um, learn to take notes. Well, you know, don't be, don't be one of those people who is like, it's my vision and it has to be my way and blah, blah, blah. Cause a lot of times those outside voices are going to strengthen your work. Uh, that would basically be it. And just, you know, be, cool to people man be nice be chill and kind and humble and uh again don't be like the people who are just leeches um Mm -hmm. try to form genuine friendships with people and uh and it's gonna take you a lot farther yeah yeah um yeah and it's a it's a you know i'd say it's a long it's a long road right i mean yep try not to get discouraged right Mm -hmm. totally yeah cool um well i've really enjoyed talking and uh interviewing you today andy i thank you so much for having me on to do this um Dude, to host thank this you for episode. doing it man i hope yeah, that people yeah. enjoy it because <laughs> yeah. it definitely feels weird putting out my version my yeah. episode on my podcast but no this is uh, i hope people get a kick out of it and i had fun answering those questions for once being on the other side so yeah yeah no this is this is a good call this is um a good good episode for people to hear and so it's a good time of the year to put it out too so yeah um, christmas time my episode's yeah. the biggest gift of the year <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i'm doing everything in the most narcissistic way <laughs> yeah here's my gift me yeah. talking about myself uh, <clears throat> yeah man uh no i appreciate you doing it and it's been fun yeah. so congrats again for, for two years strong doing the pod mm-hmm. yeah. um you know and within the screenwriting world you know i think a, another congratulations is good job sticking with it dude it's fucking hard it's heartbreaking yeah. so yeah thank you man great work man like it, it like guys like andy 
he's a great dude and he's he's genuine and um you know you don't i don't know you don't meet a lot of people who are who are um striving and, and working hard and have an you know work ethic like mm-hmm. like andy does you know even in the midst of like what are you saying you know having yeah. a hard time focusing and shit like that mm-hmm. um this dude's out here really trying to do something special with himself but also provide um this podcast to be uh like a beacon of light for all of us so thanks dude. all right Appreciate we gotta you. cut it off dude <laughs> you know my ego is getting big uh, <laughs> sounds, no, good, sounds good thank you so much i really yeah. appreciate that i'm, I'm yeah. trying out here and uh i'm you know rooting for everybody hell yeah dude no i believe it all right y'all episode 38 is in the books i want to thank gabe braxton for coming on the show and being guest host today it was really helpful and just a cool dude a very great dude you guys should go follow him at gabe braxton on twitter and instagram he has a feature film that he directed it's his directorial debut as a feature filmmaker coming out soonish it's in post-production it is called gettysburg haunting stay tuned for that i am incredibly excited i've seen like the first 10 minutes of it or so like you know rough cut version and it's it's going to be awesome and i'm so stoked that he made it and so proud of him so keep your eyes peeled for that um go over to andy compton on youtube and find this podcast and you know the short films i've made and stuff please you know subscribe to my channel and i would really appreciate that if you did um it helps a lot and i look forward to putting out more video stuff in the new year for this podcast and just you know sketches i make with my friends and short films that we made we made three last year that are all going to drop on that youtube channel this year so go subscribe over there if you want to pay attention to that i appreciate it um that's about it guys you know hop on social media and say something smart that gabe said in this podcast say something dumb that i said say some nugget of information that you're going to take away into your own writing if you're on youtube leave a comment um and if you want to donate to the podcast i really really appreciate it if you can uh if you can't it's okay but if you can it's in the paypal link in our link tree at social writer pod on instagram and twitter you know helps me out a lot these things take a little bit to edit and record and all that stuff so i appreciate whatever i can get um that's it guys i hope that you're all having a great start to the new year honestly it's january 7th right now so we're one week in and i had a pretty good week i have to admit things went pretty good for me um i feel like i hit the ground running with some momentum of trying to get projects done stuff from 2023 and then also trying to start the right foot as a writer this year and you know trying to hit a spec that i have going um and i hope you guys are you know knocking some stuff out i know it's it's god it's always a weird time but i i'm a person who gets rejuvenated by the new year and really try to hit the ground running how long that lasts i don't know but i even got like an exercise bike and i've been hitting that and uh 2023 i got so busy trying to make short films that i really got out of my like quote unquote fitness routine it wasn't much like i you know go for runs and i do like workouts at home barely with weights um but i did feel physically fit before and in 2023 i let myself go i'm like the fattest i've ever been so trying to get um back to a level where i look at myself in the mirror with my shirt off and i'm like okay that's fine so <laughs> right now i'm like eh, uh, uh. 
but isn't that a lot of us you know it is what it is um thank you guys for listening maybe maybe went a little off the rails there at the end thank you guys for listening i appreciate it and i will talk to you next time uh, bye bye the social screen rise pod